Welcome to Liberty Station. I'm Bryce Eddy. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by my good friends at Devoted Capital, where they believe how you profit matters. They are dedicated to helping you align your investments with your values, empowering you to a life well-lived. So on this show today, we are working hard to be a threat to the Great Reset, both in the big sense and also in our local communities. And today on the show, I have Alexander Haberbush from the Lex Rex Institute. They are fighting hard to make sure that we are having the Constitution be the law of the land. And right now, we talk a little bit about a issue with a seven-year-old girl that gets brought in front of her entire class and um, you know gets in trouble for doing a little drawing where she says, black lives matter, but also all lives matter. Um, he is also um, captaining a project I think you'd be interested in to create some transparency in the school curriculum and all that stuff. So enjoy this show. Welcome to today's show. Today, I've got Alexander Haberbush on from the Lex Rex Institute, and uh, we're going to talk about a case that he's working on and a whole bunch of other things that are going on right now in our culture as we are uh, fighting to be a threat to the Great Reset here and uh, right. the, the cultural craziness. So, Alex, how are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, really excited to tell folks about the work that we're doing right now. I think that we have some matters that uh, your audience should Enjoy hearing about, you know, it's it's not all doom and gloom out there. There's some things that we're fixing and, you know, organizations like ours are working on fixing them. Yeah. So um, you were, um, uh, I was introduced to you because of, you know, one specific uh, issue that you're working on right now. But first, you know, give us a little background on your practice and, you know, kind of what you guys are doing, you know, give us from the top of who you are and then, uh, and then let's get into, you know, sort of this, this particular case. Sure. Yeah, so I work with an organization called the Lex Rex Institute. I'm actually president there. Uh, We founded it a little bit over two years ago now. And we are dedicated to constitutional advocacy. So we will take any case as long as it's related to the Constitution and the defense of people's constitutional rights. We believe that the Constitution is the highest law in our country. That's why our name, Lex Rex, is Latin for the law is king because you know, we're not like Britain. Charles is not our king here. The law is our king. We, we shouldn't be accountable to bureaucrats. Bureaucrats should be accountable to the law. And that means that they are accountable to we, the people. So we're doing our best to make sure that public officials stay accountable to we, the people, and make them answer for what they do. All right. So uh, I love that because we need more of that. And uh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited because I know you guys are um, having some successes and you're mm-hmm. fighting some important battles that are happening right now. And, you know, my audience, they they get to hear a lot of doom and gloom from me, I think, lately, because there <laughs> is a lot of doom and gloom it's easy out to there. go that way. Yeah. 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 You know, we're, we're in we're in quite a battle and it's, you know, oh, taking yeah. many forms right now. Um, but every day there are attacks on the Constitution. There are attacks on our rights. Uh-huh. Um, and some of them are are just, you know, crazy stories. And, and that's the one I wanted to get in um, to with you. So, you know, describe um, this issue with this uh, girl and and Black Lives Matter. 
Yeah, so currently we're representing a woman by the name of Chelsea Boyle, whose first grade daughter, seven-year-old daughter, while at school, drew a picture for one of her friends. It was not part of a class assignment, did it totally on her own. Um, she has severe ADHD, loves to draw pictures for her friends. Art's kind of her outlet. So whenever there's free time at school, you could always find her drawing for one of her friends. And this particular picture uh, was a drawing of a bunch of different figures, you know, black, brown, white, yellow, all kinds of figures. And then it said at the top, Black Lives Matter, actually, Matter was misspelled. It said M-A-T-E-R, but effectively black, back, I'm sorry, black Lives Matter. And then underneath said any life. And she gave that to her friend. I guess the friend's parents had some questions about it because they contacted the school principal. Now, our gripe is not really with these parents. They can have questions about stuff. Maybe they thought it was part of a school assignment. I don't really know what they thought. The reason I don't really know what they thought is the principal at no point decided to contact my client. Instead, what he did was he called out Chelsea's daughter. We're not saying Chelsea's name because there's no reason for us to call her out. She's been called out enough already. But called right. her out at recess in front of about 150 kids, forced her to apologize for drawing this, this any life part of the, of the drawing, told her she was not allowed to draw pictures for her friends anymore, and made her sit out recess the rest of the day in front of everybody. Wow. Chelsea, my client, didn't find out this had even happened until over a year after the fact. I guess her daughter was so scared about coming home, she thought she was going to get punished twice when she told mom about it. You know, she'd been punished once at school, going to get punished again at home. You know, this sort of thing, it's easy for somebody like you and me who have been in this battle, who've chosen this battle as something that we're going to dedicate our lives to. It's easy for us to have people get mad at us, call us racist, tell us we shouldn't be doing that sort of thing. Chelsea's daughter is a seven-year-old girl. She didn't have a political agenda here. She, she saw the phrase Black Lives Matter on a computer screen at school. You know, was, when she logged into the school computers, she saw people with signs that said Black Lives Matter on them. She didn't understand it. She figured, yeah, of course my black friends matter, but don't I have a Japanese friend, doesn't she matter? Or what about my uh, Latino friends, don't they matter? So you know, she, she was processing that as best she could. And to get punished for that, is something that will live with her the rest of her life. She will be that much less likely to voice her opinion in the future because this happened. You know, the mere fact that she was afraid to go home and tell mom about it, I think shows that. But really, you know, we, we, what we told you so far is bad enough, right? Because this is clearly compelled speech. It's the worst kind of free speech violation. You know, it, it's bad enough that the government tells you that you can't say something. Telling you that you have to say something is even worse. That gets one of the strictest standards the courts have, and that's bad enough. But where this case really gets bad is when Chelsea finally was able to complain about it to the principal of the school. Because she said, you know, why wasn't I contacted? Why wasn't I told about this? Principal, essentially, the school's response was to uh, issue a response to that complaint, basically calling Chelsea crazy, uh, finding a bunch of cherry-picked text messages that have been sent months after the actual incident took place to say, look, you, you believe all these crazy things, you have weird political opinions we don't like, we're not going to listen to you. So that that's, you know, <laughs> literally adding insult to injury. That's where the case stands right now, and we're currently in the process of drafting a lawsuit against the school. Wow, that's wild. Now, where is this school located? What community? It's what Capistrano. State? Capistrano School District. It is in California. Okay. You know, it's People think, oh, this kind of stuff happens in California, but the rest of the country is safe. You know, I did a little bit of a demographic survey on the Capistrano District. They're about 10% more conservative on average over the past 10 presidential elections 
than the rest of the country. So right. this is this is a right of center city. And this kind of stuff is happening there. So this is happening everywhere. Chelsea is just somebody who had the courage to actually speak up and do something about it. A lot of parents don't. Yeah, well, well, on our show, I mean, certainly plenty of crazy things happen, you know, here in, in California, but we're, you know, we're highlighting these things that are happening all over the country. Um, yeah. You know, Cal California, in some respects, is an epicenter, um, but uh, we're, we're finding this sort of shenanigans going on all over the place. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm, I try to think of, like, what on earth is that principle's thought process when they are going to humiliate and punish a seven-year-old girl and make her apologize for saying essentially all lives matter. Well, um, and, and by the way, that's not even what the phrase was, which is how you know that it was totally innocent on her part. Right, right. That was just her seven-year-old thought process. Yeah, okay, I see that black lives matter. Sure, yeah, black Gosh, lives yeah. matter. She's, she's seeing that because that's, that's at the time being introduced everywhere because that, that was... Right roughly, you know, right still in the middle of the Black Lives Matter, um, you know, social contagion. Oh, yeah. um, and so everybody was, oh, yeah, 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 Black Lives Matter. Of course, of course, yeah. Oh, and um, and actually, you know, Chelsea, before any of this took place, actually did email the principal of the school and ask, are my kids going to be learning about Black Lives Matter? Because if they are, I'd like to make sure I'm supplementing that a little bit at home. They don't really know about racism. It's obviously... Right a hard topic to address. I want to make sure they're getting supplemental education on that at home. The principal said, no, they're not going to hear about this here. Meanwhile, yeah. the school's website has on their very first page a bunch of Black Lives Matter protesters. But go figure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so in her in her little mind is, yeah, you know, Black Lives Matter. Okay, I've got, you know, a black friend. Okay, I've got all these other friends as well. Yeah, they matter too. You know, that's yeah. the thought process yep. of a of a seven-year-old. Um, which is an honest thought process because to any yes. rational human being on this earth, yes, all lives matter. All life right. is important. We all matter. Uh, prior to this movement, um, you know, here in California especially, um, you know, racism was not a thing any longer. And I say that, right. you know, there's still right. racists that exist. There's still horrible people. They exist. I acknowledge that. But by and large, the way almost all of us grew up here in Southern California over the last several decades, it, it wasn't even really a topic of thought or conversation. Um, right. You know, skin but color of, was not central to our existence. You know, most Californians, and, I would say, were surprised the first time they encountered an openly racist person. You know, oh, yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not something that we'd seen before. Uh, and it's something that we wanted to talk to, to with our parents. You know, what, what was it that I saw? Chelsea's daughter was deprived of that opportunity because the school took yeah. it into their own hands. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and honestly, I mean, I've, I've, I'm 48 years old. Um, I have never run into an openly racist person. I don't even think I've honestly run into a secretly racist person <laughs> that I've become friends with. You know, yeah. and then all of a sudden right. I've discovered one day over a cup of coffee or something, wow, this dude's racist. You know, I right. mean, it just, it, it <laughs> no, just, I, I in, have, in my shocking. life experience, yeah. yeah, well, well, and I would, I would say it if I had, but in, you know, right. in, um, in the way I was brought up and in my circle of friends and in the circles that I've moved in and even in the far right circles that I've moved <laughs> in, um, you know, racism Especially just. in those circles, I would well, say. Well, of course. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, of course, because, you know, um, that is uh, as much to the chagrin of the left who would like to pretend for their own political um, aims and expediency that we are we are all racist, either openly or secretly. Um, right. It just didn't exist. It just wasn't yeah. a part of, of our thing. And oh, by the way, you know, a, a great many of the um, people in these conservative movements that I'm a part of are black, brown, Asian uh, you know, from every ethnicity, every background. Of course. They, you know, and, and that's what we're seeing. So, um, so for them to humiliate this seven-year-old girl, I mean, I, I have three daughters. I remember each one, what they were like when they were seven. Um, you know, that, that would be brutal on their feelings and, and brutal on, on just their development at that age. Absolutely. Yeah, that's well. And that's our real concern here, especially because after Chelsea's daughter was deprived of the, the ability to draw pictures for her friends, Chelsea had been seeing over the next year a lot of behavioral problems cropping up in her daughter. And she was attributing most of those things to the pandemic because that wreaked havoc on everyone's psyche. Yeah. Uh, you know, later, only later did she find out, oh, you haven't been drawing at school like you always used to do. That's made it a lot harder for you to cope than it otherwise would have done. And you know, after she was able to draw again, you know, because it's, we, we basically told, uh, you know, our advice to Chelsea was basically we can ignore what the principal says on that because this has a therapeutic effect for her daughter and they're just blatantly discriminating against a medical condition here. Uh, but after she went back to drawing, you know, she was doing a lot better. We have two major tragedies in this country that I take personally, and it's poor health and veganism. Battle both by ordering from my friends at Good Ranchers. 85% of all grass-fed beef is imported from other countries, but because they process it here, they can slap the product of USA label on it. Because of this, over 100,000 independent American farms and ranches have closed. Good Ranchers sells 100% American meat. A Good Ranchers subscription locks in your price to protect you against inflation. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to goodranchers.com slash liberty. Every item is steakhouse quality and you can order the finest steaks, seafood, and chicken at half the price of those other online meat guys. And I'll tell you, in direct head-to-head competition in my discriminating household, Good Ranchers just tastes much better. Enter code LIBERTY at checkout for $30 off plus free shipping or go to goodranchers.com slash liberty. Good ranchers, American meat delivered. That is until, you know, it's really other parents at this school district, school administrators at this district have done everything they can to make life for Chelsea, her daughter, and even Chelsea's son within the Capistrano district, a living hell. Chelsea is doing everything she can now to move districts. Unfortunately, we had to advise her to do that. We're still going to seek damages against this district because they've got to pay for what they did. And I don't want it to happen to any other kid that goes there. But yeah. it just was not advisable for Chelsea or her family to stay at that district. So uh, so talk to me a little bit about legal strategy, um, how you're approaching it, you know, under, under what laws, um, you know, are you suing them? Uh, you know, give me just uh, a little bit of that. Sure. Yeah. So the complaints grounded principally in parental rights claims, and then we have you know, basic negligence claims 
uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress. You know, I hate to get into all the legalese because I know that people don't care about that stuff as much. Uh, but basically what we're saying is that the school blatantly, knowingly, openly deprived Chelsea of her rights as a parent. And because they did that, they have caused irreparable harm to her daughter. Yeah. No, I mean, that's abuse on this uh, yeah, poor little girl. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's interesting because this is the crowd that says that we should affirm these children um, when yeah. it comes to all kinds of other things. Um, and, and here oh, we, we are. Oh, we've got cases on that too. <laughs> yeah. But, well, let's... Yeah, uh, yeah, so anything more on on this case that uh, that you want to talk about or express? Because I'd love to you know hear what other things you're working on and and other yeah. things that you're seeing. So this case has gotten a little bit of media attention at this point. Um, and and by the way, we all of our casework is funded primarily through contributions from people who support what we're doing. So mm -hmm. if you want to be a part of this movement, the best way that you can do that is to give some of your funding to people who are fighting it. Because we do not like to make our clients pay for these cases. We don't think that that's fair. Our clients are the people who have been wronged. If we take their money to be able to defend their rights, you know, no lawsuit's a sure thing. No matter how great the lawyer that you hire is, we want to make sure that you know, it's we the people who are footing the bill here. So if you want to jump on board, that's how you do it. For this particular case, funding's coming through an organization called the Gavel Project. Uh, you can donate on their website. I believe that's gavelproject.com. But if you just Google the Gavel Project, you should see where you can make contributions for that. Our other cases are funded directly through my institute, the Lex Rex Institute. Uh, but on this particular case, we've gotten a lot of parental interest. Parents in different school districts saying the same thing happened to my kid. Uh, and, and the biggest thing that we've noticed is parents really have no clue what their kids are being taught. You know, they'll call up and they'll say, I think that there's this new curriculum that oh, the one I heard last week was that they can't mention 9-11 because it's offensive to certain groups if they do that. No, really? We have, we have no clue if that's true or not. You say, no, really? Right. We don't know. It's word of mouth. So what we've been trying to do is hook parents up with some kind of group that will actually comb through these books that schools are using, look at what's being taught, and then create a report on what's being taught. We couldn't find anybody in the country that does that. So what we ended up doing is we figured if nobody else is doing it, we better do it ourselves. And we started a project which we're calling the Open Book Project. If you go to our website, lexrex.org slash openbook, you can learn more about that. But we're looking for, for people who don't have money but still want to join the fight, we're looking for scores of volunteers on that because we're going to be combing through the textbooks of all these schools. We're going to be writing exactly what's in those textbooks. You know, what are they saying about George Washington versus what they're saying about Cesar Chavez? How many pages does a national hero like, um, like George Patton get versus somebody like... Um, well, I won't say any names there, but parents deserve to know what's being taught to their kids. And somebody's got to make a report on that. So I guess that's going to be us. Um, that's a project we're very, very excited about. My good friend, Alex Bostic, uh, who is a, uh, somebody who works at LexRex, is heading that. And we're excited to do that as well. Um, so yeah, parents who are interested, check that out. Some other cases we're working on in the parental rights arena is we got one coming out of Los Alamitos, another Orange County city. So again, Orange County tends to lean more conservative than the rest of the state. Uh, and at this Orange County district, every year their fifth grade girls, or really all their fifth graders, go to an outdoor science camp. They hadn't done that for a couple of years during the pandemic, uh, but they were going back to it this year in 2022. What they didn't know or what they didn't tell parents 
think the school district probably knew it, but they didn't tell parents, was that the new camp they had selected to administer this was, well, I guess the polite way to put it would be an LGBTQ retreat. Uh, the very first thing kids are exposed to when they get there is questions about what's your preferred pronoun. Obviously, these 10-year-old kids didn't know what that was. So they get explained to them, you know, I'm neither a girl nor a boy. Now, this is an overnight camp. For a lot of these kids, it's the first time they've been away for their parents for a three-day period like this. I remember when I went to overnight camp in school, I had all kinds of questions from my parents. You know, am I going to stay in a room with a bunch of other people? Are there going to be adults in that room? And obviously, I'm a boy. You know, for a girl to say, I'm sure their parents told them, yeah, there might be adults, but don't worry, those adults are going to be girls. Well, when these girls asked their counselors, are you a girl or a boy? The answer they got back was, I prefer they, them pronouns. So they wow. end up spending multiple nights in a room with people who use they, them pronouns. And then, of course, once we go back to the school to actually ask them questions about this, because parents figure, you know, what the heck happened here? You know, they look, they look up online. Uh, the Yelp page has tons of reviews from parents giving it one star, saying this is an LGBTQ retreat. So parents figure, you know, why did you pick this place? Was it intentional? What kind of vetting did you do? And they asked those questions. You know, what were your reasons for picking it? How did you investigate it? And, and, you know, probably most importantly to a lot of the parents, were my daughters housed with biological men? Because I would think most parents would want to know the answer to that. School basically stonewalls them on, on the particular question of whether or not the girls were housed with men. They wait about a month to give any answer. Prior to that, they say it's illegal for us to answer. <laughs> but then they do answer. And they say, well, no, we're pretty sure that none of your girls were housed with men. So I guess, you know, I, I guess they didn't really believe that it was illegal. But... You know, that's neither here nor there. But on the rest of the questions, we still don't have answers. We still don't know how this camp was selected. We still don't know what the school knew. So we filed a lawsuit against them, Orange County Superior Court, uh, basically wanting to get additional documents and records from them since they've been so evasive on our document requests. And, and those are lawsuits that tend to be pretty, you know, there, there's really strong legal grounds on those. We're very confident on that lawsuit. But we want to know why it was picked. And then once we know why it's picked, you know, it may appear there was some negligence here, or, or worse yet, maybe they intended them to go to this kind of camp. And then there'd have to be some kind of follow-up legal action at that point. But, you know, it's entirely possible, although I don't know that I can imagine how, that this was done innocently. And we want to give them that benefit of the doubt. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to get their documents first. Now, was it uh, for, for this camp, uh, was it expressed to the parents leading up to the camp what the camp actually was? So the parents had, okay. Yeah, that, yeah, that. As, well, that's why I say that this outdoor science camp had been done for years because mm -hmm. pa parents had zero indication it was going to be any different this time. I mean, they were told that a new company had been hired and they were given the name of that company. They're even given a PowerPoint on what that company does. But the PowerPoint mm -hmm. mentioned like, you know, they run outdoor experiments. They uh, you study laws of physics, stuff that you would expect to be at an outdoor science camp. It said right. nothing about the, the radical. Well, I don't even have to call it radical. Maybe the agenda is great. Maybe we want our kids to be taught this stuff. I don't know. Parents ought to know about it and have the ability to opt out either way. So they were told nothing about that. So they had no ability to opt out. Well, um, the the way you can tell that they're you know pushing an intentional or purposeful agenda on our children is the lack of transparency. Yes. Um, you know, if if they demonstrate that there's nothing to hide, then there's nothing to hide. Um, but but the fact that they are obscuring these things and, you know, intentionally, um, 
you know, keeping the parents out of this. Again, this is where I think the uh, COVID um, lockdowns were a godsend. It was a silver lining in these lockdowns mm. because all of a sudden what was happening, parents started to pay attention to because yes. a lot of it was happening over Zoom in their house. And they're hearing right. like, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. And I think parents started then paying attention to what was being taught to the kids. And um, going back to your like open book project, I think that is an amazing endeavor Someone because do <laughs> somebody does have to do it. And it's happening across the country in little, you know, smatterings where parents are mm -hmm. now saying, wait a second, you know, what are you teaching my kids? And, and taking it upon themselves. Yeah, no, no, they, uh, I mean, I've had people on the show already where um, they have announced, yes, this is the new, um, uh, you know, uh, sexual, uh, you know, training curriculum for your kids and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, have a link that does not work or does not yes. go anywhere. Yes. So they'll, so they'll go out there, announce like, yes, here we're being transparent. And, uh, and then of course the, the link doesn't work. And then when you ask about the link, they say, oh, you, you just, you just must've clicked it wrong. Of course it works. <laughs> it's your you computer. Know? The problem's with you, never with us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but again, so there, there is, I, I think intentional, um, you know, lack of transparency. I, I think yeah. the, the people that are creating the, this curriculum, number one, um, I don't think people understand how much money is made on school curriculum. Uh, there's a reason that they have to kind of reinvent things continuously, and and it doesn't it doesn't um, evolve. It tends to devolve. Um, the the yes. reason that they come up with you know uh, you know new ways of teaching math and different things like that when we figured out how to teach math quite efficiently for you know hundreds <laughs> of years here. Um, is to sell new textbooks. Oh, look, we've got the latest and greatest thing. And, yeah. uh, and, and these uh, textbook companies, they're a little bit of a cabal. Um, oh, and now it, there's a, even a whole cottage industry of these people who do diversity, equity, inclusion programs. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, that, that's been a nightmare for us to navigate because they all have their own jargon for everything. So when we submit public records requests to them, we have to look up who their diversity, equity, and inclusion provider is first so that we know which buzzwords to use. Yeah. Well, the Dems just went on a spending spree, about $500 billion to fund their student loan forgiveness bailout. And how are they going to pay for it? Oh, yeah, they're hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. Their goal is to do an additional 1.2 million audits a year, also known as squeeze the taxpayers. The Fed chair is freaked out about inflation. The leftist government is clearly ignoring him. Where does this leave you? It leaves you calling Birch Gold Group because you want to hedge against inflation with gold. You want to own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. If you're skeptical about the trajectory of the economy and the U.S. dollar, then text LIBERTY to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on securing your savings with gold. I trust Birch Gold. They've been around for almost 20 years, five-star reviews, thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out. Text LIBERTY to 989898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. Yeah, and, and you know, diversity is not a value. Um, diversity is, is uh, not necessarily um, anything that gives you advantage just by the very fact of having it. Um, and yeah, they're I, I would spending... disagree with you there. I, I think diversity, oh, well, tell me. 
Yeah, I think diversity is great. You know, if, if you're only learning things from one perspective, I don't think you're really learning. The issue is they very much limited what constitutes diversity. They, they would say that, you know, you and I are not diverse because we both have the same skin color and we both have the same gender. We both have the same sexual preference, I assume. You know, there's tons of diversity within that. There's people who are from different places, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different cultures. You're not gonna learn if you don't learn from different perspectives, but that's the exact opposite of what they're doing. They're pushing the same perspective, but making a multicolored group that's presenting that perspective. Yeah, I, I actually could not agree with you more. Um, I, I, I'm, we're on the same page with that. And um, what I mean um, when I say that, and I said it clunky, is that they are not they're not really promoting diversity. Yeah. What they're what they're promoting is is this uh, ideological sameness, uh -huh. and they're they're promoting um, you know again you know diversity of outward characteristics, not diversity um, not, of ideas. Yeah. Exactly, and and that's where you get the real value. But their kind of diversity is not valuable. Worthless. And yeah. it's not contributing to um, our culture. It's not actually getting people in there that think differently. It's just getting people that look, uh, you know, the certain way that they want them to look and then having those people, um, you know, just make sure that they toe the ideological line that is, right. you know, now, you know, dominant in our culture. Well, we, we put out a video a couple months ago when... President Biden had announced the, his new pick for the Supreme Court on the issue of, you know, is diversity a good thing on the court? And the angle that we, you can check that out at our, our YouTube channel. It's, it's Lex Rex mm -hmm. Institute on YouTube. But the angle that we took on that is, I don't know that Justice Jackson is a particularly diverse pick because the justice that she replaced, Justice Breyer, was one of only two justices from the Western half of the United States. And, and he ended up getting replaced with a justice who's another person from the Eastern seaboard. And, you know, if you know anything about our country and its history and its constitution, representation of different states and different regional interests is one of the most important things in our system of government. When, yeah. You know, when, when we see every single justice other than one at this point, and that's Justice Neil Gorsuch coming from the eastern seaboard, that ought to be fairly concerning to us, much more so than, you know, does, does the picture look like we have a bunch of different looking different kinds of people in it? Yeah, that's actually a um, yeah, great point. Um, that and and something that uh, that should be considered um, because that that was the the whole um, focus of our you know entire uh, country and collection of states is that we did have people representing us you know in the government from the states you know representing us based on you know different interests that that did go along the lines of of our states and yeah. our regions and everything yeah. else. Yeah, it's still and, there. And you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't eroded. It's just that we we don't seem to care about it as much anymore. <laughs> so we're trying yeah. to push back to that. You know, the other thing is it's when all of our justices come from basically one of two schools. I think one of them didn't go there. Uh, and that's um Justice Barrett went to Notre Dame, but all the rest went to Harvard or Yale. You, you know, there's a lot of different schools in this country. <laughs> that's not terribly diverse. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um so what what else are you guys working on now? What uh, you know? What are the things that you're seeing coming up? What are you know? What is a great battle that you'd like to be engaged in? 
Yeah, so we, we've been doing a lot with the COVID-19 pandemic, as I'm sure basically every constitutional group in the country has been doing. Sure. Uh, but what we what we did is real early on, uh, we stepped up and figured there's a lot of people, we know mandates are coming down the road. Uh, we know that people are going to be forced to get vaccinated or lose their jobs. So we want to make sure that we're building a very solid argument on why that cannot happen and defend as many people as possible on that. Uh, and we did that. You know, it's I was the majority of my day was screening phone calls from people who were facing termination for COVID-19, uh, a failure to vaccinate for the better part of the end of 2021. And we issued, I think, over 100 demand letters to employers. Of those, about 90% of them got honored. Uh, so we managed That's to get great. people exemption from vaccination. But for those remaining 10% that did not, still a lot of cases, and the majority of those are in various stages of litigation right now, that takes up a great deal of our time. But we can't let everybody off the hook for this. You know, they, they figured that by having a broad enough net targeting enough people, there just wouldn't be enough nonprofit lawyers to go around. And they were right, which is why, you know, folks like us had to step up and take a lot more cases than we ordinarily would. Uh, but that stretched us pretty thin. So <laughs> we're, we're just now picking up from that. We've also been doing a lot with election integrity. Um, we've, we've currently got a lawsuit that we just filed last Friday, actually, um, which is sort of an overlap with the COVID and the election integrity thing, because the um, county of Los Angeles is requiring all poll workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Hmm. I mean, that's, that's a whole problem above and on top of requiring vaccination for anybody else. Because at that point, in our view, you are compelling a political expression in a polling place. You know, if right. voters go in knowing that every single person that works there has a particular political view, or at least hold strongly enough to one political view that they're willing to get vaccinated and then affirm that they've been vaccinated to their employer, that absolutely has an effect on people's voting behavior. I mean, there's tons of case law on this with voter intimidation law in the past. If you know the people who are counting the votes are of a particular political ideology, people vote differently. You can demonstrate this phenomenon. So, you know, we believe this is a lot worse than just a regular employer vaccine mandate. We're gonna fight this because they did it in June we figured they might get rid of it by November. They haven't. And as far as we know, they have no plans to get rid of this ever. So that's something that we're fighting. You know, I, I've got nothing against vaccination. I personally am vaccinated. I have no opinion on whether or not the vaccines are safe or effective. I, I kind of got it because, you know, I, well, I, I got vaccinated against measles, mumps. Maybe I didn't know any better. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah. uh, we, we have nothing against the vaccine. It, this is all about bodily autonomy. People have a right to decide what medical treatments they're putting in their own bodies, and nobody should be able to tell them otherwise. Yeah, amen. Yeah, well, we uh, we agree on that. And uh, and no, I mean, listen, there's a lot of people. Uh, you know, we're um, I I don't condemn people that got um, vaxxed. Um, you know, I've never traditionally been an anti-vaxer. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's interesting. As soon as this thing came out, they, you know, not only changed the definition of vaccine, um, in order to, to fit this new, uh, experimental jab, but they, they also, uh, you know, labeled anyone who objected to this, you yeah. know, based on the grounds of bodily autonomy as a anti-vaxer. 
Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people that just out of um, faith in the system, um, sometimes misplaced, uh, and, you know, hey, everybody's got their, you know, our best interest in mind. All right, sure, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been told now that uh, I should go get vaccinated and everything's going to open up and life's going to return to normal. There's well, a lot the of people guy, that, that did that. You know, I'm the kind of guy prior to 2020, you would have found me moaning about all the bureaucratic red tape that's required to get medical treatments approved. Right. <laughs> and so, so when I saw, you know, they, they did the shortcut method for this one, I figured that's fine because we don't need most of that bureaucratic red tape anyway. I agree with um, that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, not an opinion on the vaccine. And right. the idea that people are told that they are denying science or that they're somehow being ignorant or putting other people in harm's way because they're making their own decisions about their medical treatment is utterly absurd. And I really think that a huge strategy that people are sort of playing on this is they figure that if they can force you to get vaccinated despite the fact that you object to it, they know it's going to be that much easier to get you to compromise your rights next time around. Yeah. Somebody who's given it up once does it that much more easily next time. So we will stand by anybody who's willing to fight on that. Not because we think that, you know, vaccination is the most important issue in the world, but because we don't believe in compromising your rights. Yeah, no, well, I think that's great. And and yeah, I mean, it is an important issue, not the most important issue in the world, but it is because it is that that gateway to, yes. um, you know, other tyrannical um, rules on us that that, you know, will affect us all. If you can get people to take a shot, what else can you get them to do? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, we've, you know, we've been seeing I will that. Never, I'll never forget. I went to a mediation with the EEOC about a month and a half ago. And you know, I wish I wish I could have recorded it, but these things are unfortunately confidential. So I can't even mention the company or anything like that. But d during this, uh, this mediation, the attorney for the, the company that was trying to fire my client for failing to get vaccinated said something that I will never forget. She said... We are a multinational company. We operate in 27 countries. This is the only one where we have this issue. Everywhere else, people just sit down and shut up and they get the shot. Only in America do people insist on their rights. <laughs> uh, God bless because... <laughs> America. <laughs> God yeah, bless America. I mean, we, we can bemoan about how, how, how much people have gone along with what the government tried to make them do here, but that's not the way it's perceived by people on the other side of this issue. They think that we've been you know, stubborn beyond all reason on this, and good, I'm glad they think that, because that makes them less likely to do this kind of thing in the future. So stubborn as we can be on this, you know, let's, let's be as stubborn as we can. Amen. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm still... Um mystified by the COVID enthusiasts and the vaccine enthusiasts now that are insisting that the vaccine performed as expected. Um, and and the rewrite of, of right. history already, you know, so much has gone down the memory hole with respect to the vaccine, um, you know, because right at the beginning, of course, this was going to be, uh, you know, our, our savior. And you weren't going to be able to spread the illness and you weren't, uh, you know, going to, to get, get um, sick with COVID-19 again. And it was going to be, a, you know, the, the pandemic was just all about the vaccinated and, you know, and we were going to have a, um, a winter of death and destruction and everybody unvaccinated was going to die and all of that. Right. 
right. didn't come to pass. And this yeah. thing has been, um, you know, oversold um, at, at the very least, or I would say a mostly, uh, you know, big failure. Um, I do know that that some of these companies that were requiring vaccinations have been quietly, um, you know, dispensing with those rules. And that, um, that's the reason why we've been successful on, on 90% of those cases. Is, yeah. You know, we, we never get a communication where they say, I'm not going to make your client get vaccinated. What happens is the notifications continue to be sent out, but my client's taken off of that, that list of email recipients. It, right. it's, it's a very quiet kind of, we're not requiring it anymore. And I think part of that is for them to save face. And part yeah. of that yep. uh, is for them, you know, not to, nobody wants to admit wrongdoing in this. Nobody wants to say that they overstepped. Nobody, you know, wants us to remember how the unvaccinated was treated at the peak of this, where they were saying that they were wishing, you know, the unvaccinated would would just die. <laughs> Devoted Capital is more than just another financial service company. They believe how you profit matters. When your financial investments align with your values, you then have the freedom to capitalize on the present and design your future. The president and CEO of Devoted Capital is my closest childhood friend, Randy Sonata Jr. His vision and mission is to provide everyone with the necessary education, tools, and guidance to help you not only reach your financial goals, but to build and grow your wealth in a way that positively affects every aspect of your life and the world around you through values-based investing. Visit their website at devotedcapital.com to learn more or dial 805-372-0821 to speak to your values investor advocate today. Investment advisory services offered through Alliance Advisory and Securities, LLC, a registered investment advisor. It is the, it's the classic behavior of a tyrant, right? I mean, you, you can look back at ancient Greek drama. <laughs> that, that's, that's what Antigone is about, where the king makes a decree, and then the whole rest of the play is about where everybody sees that that decree was really stupid. Even the king sees that the decree was really stupid, but because he's a tyrant, he won't change it. He refuses to stick, you know, refuses to change what he said. He's going to stick with it, no matter how dumb it is. I mean, this has been the criticism of tyrants for thousands of years. We know better at this point, but... We're still doing it. Yeah, no, it's true. Are you seeing any other kind of battles along the lines of our Constitution looming that you guys are, are going, okay, we see this coming down the, the pipe and, you know, we're going to be, you know, stepping in on, on this battle too. You've got to have some, yeah. no, there's, some there's sort of stuff coming. Election integrity is a big one. And I don't want to say too much about, you know, it's, lawyers are always kind of cagey in their answers about stuff because they yeah. don't want to spoil a strategy on things. But yeah, there's, there's quite a few election challenges that are coming down the pike. Uh, there, there's also, um, California has been passing a few laws that are direct constitutional issues because they deal with things like the interaction of different states. Uh, there's mm -hmm. currently a law up for consideration that essentially creates a carve out from our law against kidnapping to say that it's no longer kidnapping if you kidnap a kid for the purpose of getting them a sex change. Now, that, that's, that's transporting kids over state lines. That's, a, that's an issue that, say what you will about the insanity of the law itself, a state doesn't have the authority to sort of impinge upon another state's law in that, right. in that way. So that's obviously a constitutional challenge there. Um, okay, now, looking, uh, it, this, I, yeah, this I is something... Move on from that one. Sorry. <laughs> 
No, no. Well, well, if you, if if we can talk about it a little bit, um, this is this is something that's being introduced right now by by California. That's correct. Yes, it's currently before the state legislature. Okay, is this another Scott Weiner um, uh, proposal? <laughs> I don't remember who proposed it. Um, you know, I could probably get you an article on it after we're done. I'm bad with remembering Senate bill numbers, um, but yeah. it's yeah, it's. No joke. Well, he, it's been he, reported he, on a lot. The way they report on it is, is that it's a protection for parents who want to get their kids a sex change against the will of the other parents. But if you look right. at the text of the law itself, it's actually worse than that because it, it basically just creates a carve out from existing kidnapping law, saying yes. that it's no longer kidnapping under these circumstances. So it, it, this is one of the few instances where the reporting has downplayed the actual severity of the law itself. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, and I'm I'm picking on Scott Weiner because he seems to introduce some of the worst things here in California, um, at of, least yeah. as of lately. Um, but but yep, there's the yeah one. there's they're now 20. requiring schools to have at least one boys' bathroom have a feminine hygiene products dispenser in it. Uh, I think every every school that I've heard from very first day of school, the boys <laughs> clogged all the toilets and broke everything in the bathroom with all this stuff. Which you know obviously they're going to do that, uh, but you know, th- this is the ridiculousness that our state's trying to push through right now. And to me, all of this stuff shows sort of a concerted effort and design to deprive parents of their right to control the upbringing and education of their own children. I, I view a lot of this stuff as sort of a dare to the conservative movement. Are, what are mm-hmm. you going to oppose us on this? We're going to get our way. What are you going to do about it? Well, there's a lot we can do about it, but it does require the political will and the momentum to do it. Well, we we lost ground to the people who believe that the state owns the kids over mm-hmm. decades, you know, a yeah. little bit at a time. And, and we were asleep at the switch and we weren't paying attention. Um, we weren't paying attention to the curriculum. We weren't paying attention to, you know, what the school administrators were doing in practice. And, you know, our authority as parents got eroded little bit by little bit by little bit. To the, to now... The point that- there, yeah, there is ahead. now Ninth Circuit precedent that explicitly says that, an, that a parent's authority ends at the schoolroom door. That is controlling wow. precedent in, you know, the, the, the seven states or however many numbers probably wrong. Someone's going to correct me on that. However many states are in the Ninth Circuit. That's something we need to challenge because a parent's right, right to control the upbringing and education of their child is a fundamental right recognized right. by the Supreme Court of the United States. There are no higher rights in our entire system. There is nothing that should ever go by the wayside if pitted against parents' rights to control the upbringing and education of their kids. Yeah, I mean, you know, schools are given temporary care and custody of our kids, you know, uh, on the school grounds. We're not ceding our rights to them. The, the school board members are called trustees for a reason. We have entrusted them with our kids. You know, they're supposed to do that according to the terms that we dictate. It's not, it's, it's not that they're just, you know, under their protection and supervision now they can do whatever the heck they want. They're supposed to be acting as though they are entrusted with the parents' authority. And they're not doing that. And a lot of that's because they know that there are all kinds of immunity they're not going to be held accountable for. You know, it's like right. the, I mentioned the case against the, uh, the school district for the, uh, the LGBTQ camp. Every other lawyer that my clients talked to on that case said, oh, don't sue the school district, sue the camp. And if you're looking for a way to recover money quickly, 
That's what you do. That's what the for-profit lawyer advises you to do because there's all kinds of state immunity when it comes to suing school districts. It's really hard to actually get at them. Problem yeah. there is the can't plus make they get to spend their own. They they get to spend your money defending themselves too. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that is the travesty of it. But what happens with the if you sue the camp is sure they give you a payout. Then what happens is they file for bankruptcy and they reopen under a new name. Right. The problem isn't that these private camps exist. Private companies can do whatever the heck they want. I don't begrudge them that. I don't like it when schools hire these private companies that are teaching ridiculous stuff. So we're going after them. It's the harder case to win. Um, they do spend public money on it. Actually, we've got a couple other cases right now I'm very optimistic about. Um, you know, one case, we've actually done publicity on this one. It's on behalf of my, my client, Victoria Catano, who is a girl on the autism spectrum who had medical accommodation from masking and vaccine requirements at school. But they basically told her, you know, you can have those things, but you can't also have the religious accommodation that you're requesting. You got to pick one or the other. So we can discriminate either against your religious views or we can discriminate against your medical issues. You get to pick. So currently we're suing her school over that. And on, on that case, well, I probably shouldn't even say this, uh, but we, we have cases, whether that case or not, where the insurer for the school district is now denying coverage to the board members. That's huge for us. That's great. The board members feel so safe from all this stuff. When they hear they're going to pay out of their own pocket, boy, do you bet their tone changes. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think going after some of those bonds and, you know, going after some of the, you know, insurance carriers. The bonds um, issue is harder. That, that's, that's a less promising one, I think. I think you got to file the lawsuits against the school administrators directly. And then you need yeah. to make allegations that, that show they're not within their coverage policy, which is what we I did love that. Yeah, I love that. I think that's brilliant because uh, when, when those sort of things start to come up and, and yeah, and they start to realize that, okay, they could be personally held liable instead of mm -hmm. having this big, you know, shield of immunity around them. Um, that's when they're going to be more careful with the things that they are espousing and promoting, um, you know, against parents' interests. That's our hope. <laughs> that's, that's our strategy, at least. We'll let you know how it works. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I think this was great. I, I think you guys are doing such important work. Um, well, you, you know, guys we, too. I mean, you were the early fighters against these, these draconian pandemic measures. So thank you for your work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, uh, it's not easy, you know, being the, the, uh, you know, the, the front line when it comes to no. these things, because, you know, no. those are the people that, that, uh, you know, get, get shot first, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, you know, it takes a great amount of courage and bravery to be like, you know, our, our pastor, Rob McCoy, who, yeah. you know, who said, okay, hey, I'm willing to be arrested. I'm willing to lose everything. Um, yeah. And it takes a, a ton for, you know, these people that you're representing to, to say, okay, uh -huh. I, I, you know, I might lose my pension. I might, you know, get, get fired from this job. I might lose everything, lose but I have friends. to stand on it. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's terrible, but it's, you know, we th I thank God for them because that's the way our country is going to be defended. You know, it's when our founding fathers fought against Great Britain, they mutually pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. And in many cases, they had to pay those things. And yeah. you know, we, we've inherited the political blessings of freedom that they gave us. We can't take that for granted for a second because it is so tenuous. It, it's, it's lost, it's lost in, in a, a blink of an eye. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, amen.
Well, I, I think what's um, encouraging to me is as people stand up, as you have these victories, as you know, we have victories, as we get this word out, uh, more community coalesces together. And the more of us being willing to stand and risk it all, um, you know, the, the stronger we get. And it just does take these first few people, you know, the, the Chelsea Boyles and the others that are willing to, to go, mm -hmm. hey, I'm, I'm, this is wrong. And I will be, you know, um, you know, uh, shunned in my community. I, you know, I will be the person that takes these hits um, in order to, you know, stand up and and be yes. that first person. And and so I, I lodge you guys, um, you know, remind us how we can get a a hold of you. How can we help you? And and all of that one more time. Yeah, so yeah, you don't have to be the one to put your neck on the line. Uh, we'll take your money. We're perfectly happy with that. So, <laughs> and and that, that'll help the people who are putting their necks on the line. Really, that is being a part of the fight. You know, that's Amen. every day I have people asking, how can I get involved in this fight? It is expensive. You know, I, I do most of my work for Lex Rex free of charge, but we've got a lot of other lawyers and they don't like it when I don't pay them. So being able to pay for this kind of work is important. So if you go to lexrex.org, L-E-X-R-E-X.org slash donate, contributing is a huge way that you can support this fight. The other one would be volunteers because we, we don't just need money, we need manpower. And you, you have paid manpower, which is expensive. But if you have volunteers, you can get a whole heck of a lot done. And we can fight the people who are trying to tear down our Constitution. They're spending millions to do it. We can spend maybe a penny for every dollar they do. We'll accomplish a whole heck of a lot more. So we're taking volunteers on that open book project right now. We're going to need scores of volunteers on that. So if you have any interest in combing through school curriculum, please get contact us, lexrex.org slash open book. You don't have to have any previous skill. You don't have to know about history, know about science. We'll prep you on all that. We'll give you forms to fill out. We'll give you the information you need. If you do know about history or science, that's even better because you can help us make new forms. But really, there's work for anybody to do on that. We encourage you guys to check that out. Well, that's great. You know, Dennis Prager says you've got the fighters and you've got the helpers. And, yep. you know, you need them both. And so if you are willing to help with this cause, um, you know, we're going to put the um, your your details in the show notes as well so that people can get a hold of you. And, and yeah, I love this open book project. Uh, I, I hope it's we can happen. stir up some people. Yeah, uh, because we need to know what is being taught to our kids and we need to be able to push back on the on the indoctrination and the things that they're hiding in this curriculum uh, and in some cases where they're not hiding at all but it's just you know naked yeah. indoctrination of our of our children and and meant to you know destroy family and destroy the the unity that we all really want to have there's a reason that they don't want you to come into the school that's it's, right it's because a lot of this stuff is out in the open it's not really hidden they know that if you step foot inside the school you would see it and you wouldn't like it but we do have a lot of weapons in our belt because we have a proud inheritance of liberty in this country, and most of those laws are still on the books. We can absolutely use them to push things in the right direction. So you know, public records requests are huge. Lawsuits defending rights are huge. Let's use the tools we have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Alex. I appreciate you coming on the show and spend this time with us. And again, we'll put this all in the show notes and make sure people know how to support you guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Take care. All right. You too.
Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. I hope you enjoy the show. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify, or anywhere that you consume podcasts. Please text these episodes to your friends and support our advertisers.